Get 2 Peter chapter 1 and John chapter 17. 2 Peter chapter 1 and John chapter 17. And I want you to see the priority. Before we actually learn what the message is, we're going to start in 2 Peter chapter 1. Before we learn what that message is, I want you to see the priority that Peter put on it. And let me just say, I don't know that this aspect of the message is proclaimed enough. So you'll, you'll see what I mean. The priority of his message. Look at verse 12. So 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. So the, notice what he says there in verse 12. The first thing he says is that he's always going to teach this. He's always going to teach it. And, you know, sometimes we as teachers, we... We're almost embarrassed to repeat things. I've heard that before. Yeah, I know. And you can see the young people when you start saying, I know that. (laughs) And you you, you repeat things. And my dad went to Bob Jones University, and he said, Dr. Bob used to say, you think I repeat things because I'm old. I repeat it because you ain't got it yet. That's what (laughs) dad said. Dad would say that all the time. And now that I'm the old man with the gray beard and... All of that, what I'm saying is the Apostle Peter said that there was a message that he said he would always repeat. Do you see that that's what it says? Look, look at verse 12 again. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you, what's that next word? Always in remembrance of these things. There's some specific things that we need to always be put in remembrance of. So now you, you four guys right here. You've heard this before. Some of what I'm going to say you will have heard before. I'm reminding you of them. I'm reminding you of them. All right? So Peter said he would always teach these things. And you ready for this? He knew that the people he was teaching had already heard them. So look what it says, verse 12 again. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. I heard, I think it was Roy Thompson. He, was, he started Cleveland Baptist Church. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. He was preaching at a preacher's fellowship, and I think he was preaching John 3.16 or something. And he said, never be afraid to preach familiar passages. Isn't that good advice for a preacher? You know, sometimes we think we have to come up with something new. Peter didn't have that problem, did he? He said that he was going to teach these things. He would always teach them to people who already knew them. And, And look at this. He would not only teach them to people who already knew them, but to people who were grounded, they were established in them. Look at what it says in verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. So he was teaching this always to people who already knew it and were already established in it. Why? Because it's very easy to let things slip. We must be reminded of these things All the time. So let me just ask you guys a question. How many of you know that you're supposed to exercise and eat right? How many of you know that? How many of you could... You don't have to raise your hand on this. How many of you could stand to be reminded of that truth? Right? (laughs) I'll put both hands up. (laughs) I could stand to be reminded of that truth. So there are things that we know and that we've been established in but that we need to be reminded of. Is that fair? The Apostle Paul knew that. Okay? So here he is. 
he's establishing the priority of his message. He would always teach these things. He would always teach them to people who already knew them. And he would always teach them to people who not only knew them, but were established in them. Next, he would always teach them knowing that he only had a little time left. All right. So have you ever asked this question? If you only had a day to live, what would you do? You've heard that question before. If you only had a day to left, if you knew how much time you had left, what would you do? Peter knew how much time he had left. And this is what he was doing. So look at what it says in verse 14. Verse, verse 13. Yea, I think it meet, so that's acceptable, right, as long as I am in this tabernacle, so that means his body, so as long as he is in his body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly... I must put off this my tabernacle, even as, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. All right, so the priority of his message, he would always teach them knowing that he only had a little time left. See, Jesus told him when he would die. He knew when he was going to die. Sometimes I think that would help us, wouldn't it? You could actually order your life if you knew how much time you had left. But you know what God has done for us? He's not promised us another day. And He expects us to live in that priority. But the Apostle Peter was given the blessing of knowing that when he was going to die, Jesus had told him. And the priority of his message was that knowing he just had a little bit of time left, that he would preach this and teach this and illustrate this and instruct the people in this truth until he died. And then, not only would he always teach these things, not only would he teach them knowing that he only had a little time left, but he knew that this truth would be important even after he died. So what we're going to learn, the, the message is going to be really short. The truth is going to be a short message. We're going to learn a little bit about why he wanted to give that message. But the thing is that this truth lives on after us. In other words, it's true for everybody. It's true for everybody, and it's a priority. Isn't it interesting that a truth that the Apostle Peter was given by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit told him to say, always remember this, always, 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 repeat this, live it, be know it, be established in it, and still think about it and learn it and teach it. It's interesting to me that this isn't really the priority of Christian teaching in the churches. It's very interesting to me. Why? Because we get distracted by other things and we fail to put the exclamation points where God puts them. And we have some exclamation points here that God has given us. So the priority of his message, he would always teach these things. He would always teach them knowing that he only had a little time left and he knew that this would be important even after he died. Let's remember that from verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. He wanted them to remember them after he died. I think it's something that we ought to know. So that's the priority of the message. Then the promise of the message. So he gave three guarantees to everyone who listens to the message. Okay, so guys, you four guys, there are three things that I promise you, I guarantee you can take it to the bank, you can base your life on it, that if you'll listen to the message that Peter has for us, there are three guarantees. The first guarantee is this. You'll know Jesus. You'll know Him. Look here. Look at, look at our passage. 
it says in verse um, 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you'll do these, if you'll listen to what he says, if you'll do these things, if you'll heed his message, it's a guarantee that you'll know Jesus. Keep your place here and go to John 17. So Jesus is about to go to the cross. Verse 1 says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You know, the Apostle Paul realized at the end of his life, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. The point of his life came to, know Je- came to be to know Jesus. And so here's the guarantee that the Apostle Peter gives you. If you'll do these things that he tells you to do, you will know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, that's life. That's life. It changes everything. Not only will you know Jesus, you will... Oh, let me just say this. The Apostle Peter cared so much about knowledge that in 61 verses, he talks of Second Peter... He talks about the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Him that hath called us, add knowledge to virtue, the knowledge of our Lord. Though you know them, know that I must. We have made known unto you, knowing this first, the Lord knoweth how, through the knowledge of the Lord, knowing this first, seeing you know these things, grow in grace and in knowledge. Do you think Peter cared about knowledge? He cared about that. And that's the heart of this passage. So if you'll do the heart of his message, if you'll listen then you'll know Jesus. Not only will you know Jesus, but I love this part, you'll never fall. How many of you know people that have fallen away from the faith? So if you'll do these things, it's a guarantee that you'll know Christ, and it's a guarantee that you will never fall. Look at verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Adam fell, Judah fell, Abraham fell, David fell, all the kings of Israel almost fell. Peter himself denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Peter says, if you will do these things, if you'll practice this message that I'm going to give you, you will never fall. Isn't that good? Do you want to serve Christ for the rest of your life? So if you'll listen to this message, you'll never... Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, Young people, do you know that you don't have to walk away from the Lord? That you can live a life where you never fall. And I'm not saying you'll never make a mistake. What I'm saying is that you will never fall away from what Christ has for you. Three guarantees. The first guarantee is that you'll know Jesus. The second guarantee is that you'll never fall. And then the third guarantee is, look at this, it's in verse... 9, uh, verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you, look at what it says, abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So someday your life is going to be over and you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged. Now, all four of you guys are saved, so praise God, you won't, 
your, your judgment won't be hell. Isn't that wonderful? But if you'll do what the Apostle Peter says right here, then you're guaranteed that when you get into the kingdom of God, that your reward will be abundant. See, it's hard to imagine when you're your age that your life will be over. It's hard to imagine. And it could happen tomorrow. Or you could live to be 80 or 90 years old, but that's not really very long in eternity. You know, I graduated from high school, ready for this, in 1981. I'm a day older than baseball. 1981. It seems like yesterday. It's just just like that and it's gone. And yet eternity goes on forever. I know that all of you want material abundance in this life. Nothing wrong with that. God wants you to have eternal and abundant rewards in the next life. And what Peter says is it's a guarantee. You will have this. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So the the, the three promises, the three guarantees that if you will heed his message are you'll know Jesus, you'll know him, you'll never fall, and you'll have abundant reward. That's pretty good promises, isn't it? Isn't that a better success message than, you know, what you hear at a graduation sometimes? The message of the Word of God. So there are three guarantees that are given if you heed it, but there's also three guarantees that are given if you don't heed it. There's always a negative side, isn't there? What are those three guarantees? Well, the first is that you're going to be blind. You'll be spiritually blind. Look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. So what does it mean to be spiritually blind? You don't know how to discern things. You don't know how you just spiritually blind. You just can't make a good decision. You guys ever see somebody that can't make a good decision? You might have family members who can't make a good decision. You watch them. They grew up in the same house that your parents did. They grew up in the same environment that you did. And their, their life is a downward spiral of bad decisions, living in a van down by the river. Marsh always says, don't say that, because Paul wants to live in a van down by the river. That's what he wants to do. <laughs> it's so funny. When it's your choice and it's planned, it's just fine. Um, it is so interesting... God wants you to be able to see spiritually. Remember what he says in Revelation 3. He says, Because thou thinkest that I am rich, that thou art rich and increased, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have needed nothing, but knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, and naked, and blind. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and eye salve that thou mayest see. It's interesting. Spiritual blindness is the problem of neglecting the truth that the Apostle Peter wants you to have. I don't want you to be spiritually blind. I want you to know what's right. I want you to be able to discern things. I want you to know how to take off the world's glasses and put on biblical glasses to see everything through the perfect lens of Scripture. So if you neglect these things, you're going to be spiritually blind. That's, that's his guarantee. And then you'll have no perspective of eternity. Verse 9 again, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. You can't see it far off. You're a slave to the moment. See, you have to live in the light of eternity to know how to live. If there's no eternity, live however you want. If there is an eternity, then it really does matter how you live. It does matter to the decisions that you make. It does matter the priorities that you establish in your life. It's absolutely vital that you're able to see afar off. And the Bible says that if you neglect the message that Peter has for us in this passage, it's guaranteed you won't be able to see afar off. 
and you'll be a slave to the moment. And that's a horrible place to be. It's a horrible place to be. So, number one, you'll be spiritually blind. Number two, you won't be able to see afar off. And then number three, you can get to the place where you forget that you are ever forgiven for your, from your sins. Look at what it says, verse 9 again. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know that it's possible to live, so, as for a Christian, to live in such a neglectful and wicked way that he forgets that he was ever saved. Isn't that a horrible place to be? It's a horrible place to be not to be able to recognize forgiveness, not to be ever able to recognize purpose and love and righteousness, to be completely lost and blind in the world. And if you neglect this message, that's where you'll be. So, we've said the priority of his message and then the promise of his message, those guarantees. Now let's get to the message. All right? That was my introduction, and now I'm going to preach to you. What is the message? What is the message? Well, go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and look at verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, that through the knowledge of Him, look at, that hath called us. So you're called to what? To glory and virtue. Hath called us to glory and virtue. Okay, so Jacob and Paul and Logan and Jay, you guys have been called to glory and to virtue. So here in a week or so, the Golden State Warriors are going to be crowned champions of the NBA. (laughs) Blasphemy. And somebody's going to get that glory, right? And i got to say it. I hate to break it to you guys. None of you guys will ever receive that glory. Genetics are just not there. hate to say it. Just not going to happen. Have you ever heard somebody say, you can do Anything you want to do, not that. (laughs) So you can be successful, you're just not going to be an NBA champion. Maybe one of these days you'll be rich enough to own a team and become a champion that way. That's the only way any of you guys are ever going to be NBA champions. You're never going to have that glory. But God has called you to a much greater glory than that. It's the glory. You know what that glory is? It's the glory of your body being changed into a body like Jesus Christ's body. That's what God's called you to. You're going to be like Him. That's cool. So that's future. That's heaven. We're not there yet. So what are you called to now? So your calling in eternity is to glory. Your calling right now is to virtue. What is virtue? Well, you've heard the definition, moral excellence. It's just right. You're called to do right. You're called to do good things. And here's the thing. That passage doesn't say don't do evil. That's not what it's saying. The pastor doesn't say, you're called to not be evil. That's not what it says. You're called to virtue. That means you're not only called to glory, but you're called to do right now. You're called to make right decisions now. That's your calling. How do we do that? How, how, how in the world are you going to be able to do that? Well, because not only are you called, you're equipped. Look at verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So here's what God has equipped you for. He's equipped you for life. How did He equip you for life? He gave you lungs. gave you a heart. He gave you the physical capacity for life. But then when you're born again, He gives you the, the capacity for a new life. For a life that's so far greater 
than anything that any lost person can ever experience. Because you get to walk in this life in the way that He has told you. He gave, he's empowered you for life, but also for godliness. He's given you the ability to be holy. He's given you the capacity to be holy. So you guys are going off to school. You're going to go to school, and you're going to be with young people that are having sex with whoever they want to have sex with. They're watching whatever they want to watch. They're talking any way that they want to talk. Those are the people that you're going to be around. You know that you don't have to live that way? Right? You need to quote the elephant man. I'm not an animal. You need to remember that. It's really important to remember that God has given you the capacity to live like the elephant man, <laughs> not as an animal. You're not an animal. Isn't that wonderful? God has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. That's the ability to say no, and it's the ability to say yes. It's the ability to say no to the things you're not supposed to do, and it's also the capacity, the ability, the power to say yes to the things that God wants you to do. Isn't that awesome? So you're called, you're equipped, but then you're commanded. So here's the message. This is the message that the Apostle Peter has for us. So look at what it says in verse 4. "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises." So when the Bible says something is exceeding great and precious, you know, it, it, it really is precious. It really is exceeding great. Whatever you think is wonderful, this is better. All right? That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. See, that's that glory that he's talking about. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So this world is corrupt. It's all around us. And it's very easy to submit to that corruption. Right? But God's given you the divine power not to do that. That's awesome, isn't it? All right? Now, here's what he wants you to do. Verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence. Now, all diligence, what is that? What is all diligence? That, that's the priority in your life. So, what I'm going to ask you guys to do, Jay and Logan, Paul and Jacob, whatever your priority has been, all right? And it, you're in that transition time. You're just finishing up school. You've got all kinds of jobs to do. You're making application. You've you're, you got a lot to do. It's a busy time in your life. The thing that you must be most diligent at is this list right here. And you've got to add something to what you're doing. So do you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ before, guys? Well, that's great. That's how you know you're going to go to heaven is because you have that faith. Now you have to add something to that. Add to your faith. Look at what the text says. Verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, what does it say? Virtue, moral excellence, those right choices. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means to do what you know to do. The Bible says, to him, knoweth through good, doeth it not. What is it? It's sin. It's sin not to do what you know is right. All right? Um, let me say this. To the best of my knowledge... Um, and, and by reputation, you guys are good guys. Uh, I, I've not heard anything that you guys are living sinfully and bringing reproach on the name of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That's a good reputation. But the Christian life, God has called you to more than not doing bad things. Right? God has called you to add to that good things. That means you're doing good things and good activities for His glory on purpose. 
That means that you have to choose the things that God wants you to do. So add to your faith virtue. All of you young people, there's so much more to the Christian life than just not being a bad kid. And we got a bunch of good kids here. Y'all agree with that? We have a bunch of good kids. But there's so much more to the Christian life than not doing bad things. It's adding the good things. So God gifts you to sing. Well, sing for the Lord. Right? God gifts you to administration. Administrate for the Lord. God gifts you to build things. Build things for the Lord. God gifts you to kill things. (laughs) Kill things for the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> I'm wondering how the kid that likes to kill things is conservation-minded. You know, you've got to keep them alive so we can kill them later. Um, that's, that's what it is, isn't it? It's exactly what conservation is. And so you've got to protect yourself. So you want to go in the law. Man, there's some really evil people in the law. You want to go into robotics and that type of engineering. Man, with, with all the biogenesis stuff and the, the transhumanism, you're going to be hearing things where morality, biblical morality is completely removed from science and it's all moving toward transhumanism. And You're going to hear some evil things, right? Paul, in your field, all of the evolution, all of the earth worship, all of that stuff, you're going to hear that. And in computer science, there are so few Christian software engineers. Everything is moving to worldliness. And so what are you supposed to do? It's not that you're just not going to do bad. You're going to take the law and make it good. You're going to take robotics and do it for the Lord. You take conservation and worship the Lord because He created all of that stuff. You're going to take that software, all of those ideas, and find ways to help God's people move ahead. You see, isn't that different than just not doing bad? It's actively doing good. That's the virtue. And young people, I've got a bunch of young people right here, and you guys are good kids. You're good kids. You're not doing evil, but you need to actively do things for the Lord to make choices, to go beyond what is comfortable and make those choices. That's virtue. So the Bible says, add to your faith virtue. Then look at what it says. And so it's verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. So if virtue is doing what you know is right, all right, knowledge is the, is the idea that you need to increase in knowledge. You've got you to keep learning right things. I would ask the church, when's the last time that you read a book that increased your knowledge of God? When's the last time you consciously endeavored to learn more for the Lord? See, we become stale and we stop. I know preachers, it seems like they stopped learning when they graduated from Bible college. That's a horrible thing. When I preach at preachers' meetings, I say that a preacher who doesn't read is like someone who doesn't wear deodorant. They don't have to tell you. Right? Add knowledge. You've got to keep growing. You've got to keep growing in the Lord. So here's going to be the hard thing, Jay. The hard thing when you're in college is to grow in the Lord while all your time is spent studying for business and then law. That means you've got to do that on purpose. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to read the Bible. Do you think that it's God's plan that you not have time to go to church while you're in school? Do you think that's God's plan? Do you think that that's God's plan, Logan? Paul? Jacob? It's crazy, isn't it? How many of you ever heard a college student, you stop seeing them in church, well, I had to study. Have you ever heard that? You know what I always say when a college student says that? Don't give me that. I was in college for 15 years. 
<laughs> that's why it took me 15 years probably. Oh, that's so funny. Here's what I would... You people, whenever anybody tells you they don't have time to come to church because they're in college, just look at them and say, liar. Lie, 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 lie. Okay. <laughs> One of our young people was so funny. I said, how you doing? She said, I'm tired. I worked a nine and a half hour shift. <laughs> I looked around. There's, there's like 50 adults that had just put 50 hours in that week, you know. Oh, welcome to life. Um, oh, it's hilarious. How many of you parents, it is so enjoyable when your kids get jobs and they're tired, you know. It, it, it's just awesome. Just love it. And what you say is, all this junk that I do for you, I do it more tired than you are right now. And all the parents said, Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm trying to be positive. That was kind of negative, but I'm trying. All right, so here's Peter's message. Remember, this is the message that is it's the priority. It, it guarantee you those three things. If you listen, guarantee those three things. If you don't, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, so increase in it. But then look at what it says. This is such an interesting thing. And to knowledge, verse 6, temperance. What is temperance? Temperance, so the best way that I can explain it to you in this context is, as you learn, you're going to find out there's all kinds of good things to do. You're going to learn about all kinds of good things. The simple fact is you can't do all of them. Right? You can't do all of them. Temperance is setting a plan for what God wants, those good things that God wants you to do. It's not God's will. God's will is the same thing for everybody. But God wants you to, God wants you to be the best you that He created you to be. So you guys are going to do things. It was so funny. I was at Pensacola with Jacob, Laura, and I went and took him down there. And he was talking to the head of the computer science department. <laughs> And Jacob's asking him questions, and I'm listening, and they're talking. I understood none of it. I didn't have any idea what they were talking about. It's like a foreign language. I didn't have any idea what they were talking about. Obviously, God has something different for Jacob than he has for me because he's equipped us differently, given us different interests. If it comes to computers, man, if you, it was up to me to design your computer software, we would go back to the dark ages. You've got no ability. I can type. That's it. Move a mouse. I can play solitaire on my computer. <laughs> Temperance is taking that ability and those desires and those good things that you learn about and focusing diligently on those things. If you're all scattered, you're never going to accomplish anything. It's setting a godly plan and sticking with that godly plan. Right, guys? You see that? So that is, that's where you're going to temper that knowledge of good things that you bring in. Then look at the text. It says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. Patience. Now, remember, patience in the Bible, when you see it, most of the time it's talking about waiting for the Lord to come. In this context, it's saying, okay, you have your plan. Don't get impatient with your plan. How many of you have ever known somebody, they start something, and then they start something else, and then they start something else, then they start something else, and they get to the end of their life, and they've gone nowhere? Don't do that. Don't do that. 
whatever plan that God has for you through the giftedness that He has, through the wisdom that He gives you, through that knowledge that you increase, as you temper that plan and start working it, allow it to develop. You're not going to have what you or your parents have two years after you get out of college. Took them a lifetime to get there. Don't expect that when you start. You see what I'm talking about? Have patience. Have patience. Then look at what the Bible says. And to godliness, or to patience, the end of verse 6, and to patience, godliness. Okay, so here's the idea. So isn't it interesting where godliness is on this list? Virtue, doing what you know is right. To virtue, you're going to add knowledge. To knowledge, you're going to add temperance. To temperance, you're going to add patience. But don't forget godliness. Because here's what happens. You can get so driven in your career, you can get so driven in your ministry that you forget to be holy. Remember who God is. Make sure that even in your good choices, you include include God in those choices. Man, it's so important. You'd think that that's easy because you're Christian kids. You think in Christian categories. You've been raised in in really good Christian homes. You've got to do it on purpose. You have to do it on purpose. Then look at what it says. Verse 6, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness. It is so interesting. Just remember to be kind. To be, you, ever know, you ever known some driven people? They're just jerks. You ever known some people that are holy and godly and they're just jerks? Don't be that. And brotherly kindness, what does that mean? That's to your brothers. Who are your brothers? Your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're to be active in ministry. You're to be virtuous and godly and patient and temperate. And then you're supposed to be kind. Here's, the hard, here's where that's going to be hard. Jay, you work really hard. You get everything structured in your life. You're doing everything right. And you'll get other people that are acting like losers. And what do you want to do? You want to judge them. You want to look down on them. You want to be mean to them. You want to be ugly to them. You want to run their lives. You can't do it. You can't make anybody do anything. What are you supposed to do? Be kind to them. And if you're kind to them, they'll listen to you. Brotherly kindness. Fit that in your plan. Brotherly kindness. It's not all about you. It's about helping other people. All right? Then look at what it says. All right? Verse 7. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So here's how you know when you are the man that God wants you to be. When you have these things in order in your life, and you love people enough to give from all of that work that you've put in. See, here's the problem. When you do everything right, when you do everything right, and you look around at people who haven't done everything right, you're going to want to say, I'm not helping them. They're losers. I hope you guys understand the opportunities that you guys have that no one else has the families you've grown up in, the education that you've had, the church that you've been in, the friends that God has brought around you. Most people don't have all of that. And now you're establishing a life plan that the Apostle Peter said, it's the most important thing in his life that you guys know this. You have that information. Well, when those three guarantees start to come to pass... You're going to look around at people who need help. And you need to lovingly give. Now, remember, we've just studied this. It doesn't mean you just give them money. 
It means you give them your life. You love them enough to invest in them. Isn't it interesting that brotherly kindness happens and then the charity can happen? If you're not kind to people, you can't love them. Right? I love you, I just hate you. It doesn't work, does it? Well, marriage, but that's another story. It's really... (laughs) And all the married people said, Amen. Listen, guys, this is God's plan for you. This is God's plan. It's up to you to do it. It's up to you. See, there's a big difference between knowing something and doing something, isn't it? It's important that you know the right thing. And now you've got to do it. Here's the good news. God's given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. His divine power, the passage says. And the apostle Peter said, here, let's look at it again. Verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Why? For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that guy we were imagining? But were eyewitnesses of His majesty. So that guy that was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ's majesty, he says the most important thing for you to remember is to add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. That's what God has for you. That's your life plan, guys. Sometimes at your age, it can be hard. You know, I know I'm going to go to school, but I'm not sure. All of that will take care of itself if you diligently add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. That's your life plan. If you'll do that, man, God's going to do amazing things for you. The rest of you young people, it'll work for you too. All you old people, all us old people, work for us too. Amen? Do you know that it's not too late to add to your faith virtue? Wherever you are on that list, are you adding? Here's a great question to ask yourself. Folks, people in the overflow, I feel like a television preacher when I look at the camera and talk. I need a haircut, so I've got the hair right now for the television preacher. It's really important. Was there ever a time in your life when you were more godly than you are right now? Was there ever a time in your life when you were growing in knowledge more than you are right now? Was there a time in your life when you were more patient or more temperate or more kind or more charitable? Do you think there's a time in your life when God wants you to stop adding? I don't think so. I think this is a good wake-up call for all of us, isn't it? I think that this is something that we know. How many of you have heard this passage before? You know it. Many of you have been established in it. Now, now, we need to have it stirred up again. Let's stir it up in us. Amen? Thank you, Lord, so much for these young men.